Are your weeks as busy as mine? Yeah. It's madness, isn't it? They are just busy. And I, I've found out, and I, I may be wrong, but I've found out that um, when you retire, you tend to be busier than when you're at work. Alan, can I get an amen over there? Yeah. <laughs> I say that because I, I work with a, a chap who works with me who is a painter and he retired two years ago. <laughs> and he said to me, Matt, two days a week will be fine for me. And he's been doing five days for the last year and a half. <laughs> and I said to him, do you want six days? He's like, I don't want five, Matthew. <laughs> But the reality is, isn't it, that we are busy. And even when we retire, I've seen, I've noticed that we are still really busy. Life is chaotic, isn't it? There is so much going on. In the chaos, though, we can easily go after things that do not last. And you might say to me, Matt, well, you're going to have to just expand a little bit, just unpack that a little bit, because I try not to go after things that don't last. But we live in a society of everything is fast and now, isn't it? Go for fast food, although I've noticed it's not so fast anymore. Maybe that's because I've grown more impatient, or maybe that's because everybody's trying to get the fast food. I'm not sure which. But even those sorts of things that we can go after in our day-to-day, -day, things that don't last. And I'm not on about fast food restaurants. I'm on about the things that this world has to offer. Things that do not last. Now, we have noticed, and I'm sure you've noticed, because if you open your eyes in the morning, you will have surely noticed that it appears that nothing actually lasts. I mean, have you noticed that? But people are running after the stuff that doesn't seem to last. I mean, a leadership contest. That didn't last very long, did it? We all know the joke that you had a lettuce that lasted longer. And the reality is it doesn't last. But there are also those other things that we think are fixed and permanent, that they're not going to change. And, and we can't forget the experiences that we've just had as a globe, that actually things change quite quickly. But I feel like we've got into a mindset again where we think that everything is fixed and it's certain. And those people that perhaps worked for that really big corporation with a bird on the front thought that everything was not going to change. Things changed. The governments all over the world think that things aren't going to change and things change. The peace and security that we thought wasn't going to change because we live in a Western civilization has changed and we look out and we think what on earth is going off and we chase after things that actually don't last that are transient that aren't here for very long and so many times certainly recently we've started to perhaps once again after the time that we've been through just open up our minds and our eyes to see that actually these things don't last now listen the psalmist here in Psalm chapter 84 is going to unlock for us some wisdom that I think is absolutely vital for us, for me, for all of us as the church. And the wisdom comes by knowing who we are and whose we are 
as we've already looked at over the past few weeks and months. It's a, a term which I keep speaking because I want us to remember who we are and whose we are. But listen, as the psalmist says in Psalm chapter 84, verse uh, 8, we're going to start at. He says, hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'll read that again. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favour and honour. No good thing does he withhold from those whose way of life is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just ask as we've read your word together as your church, as we look into your word now, Father, you'd speak through me. And that, Father, that our ears and our hearts might be open to what you've got to say to us. Father, help us to just put aside the things of a busy, chaotic week so that we can just focus on your word right now. We ask these prayers in Jesus' precious name. Amen. The posture of the psalmist's heart is, start, is the starting point of all, God willing, of those who love the Lord. It's the starting point, the very beginning of all that we do for God when we bring ourselves in prayer, when, he, when we bring ourselves to worship, when we spend time with him, when we get up in the morning, when our feet touch the floor, when we begin a new day or a new week or whatever it might be, that the posture of our heart is the starting point of all that we do and sets the tone for the rest of the day, is it not? If the posture of our heart is wrong, Monday morning, let's, let's have some uh, honest talk. Monday morning, most of the time, the posture's not great. I'm just talking about me. Like, oh no, it's another week. <laughs> so much time and so little to do. Bear with, flip it. So much to do and so little time. And that the posture of our hearts can dictate what happens from then on. But the psalmist, the posture of his heart is absolute. It's where it needs to be. He says, hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. The starting point, Lord, hear me. Listen to me, God of Jacob. And then he says this. He says, look on your shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. You see, as we bring our prayers and our petitions to God, as we step into a new day, the posture of our heart is absolutely key. Listen, he knows, the psalmist here knows who he is and he knows whose he is. But also, because he knows those facts, that he's absolutely fully aware that he isn't worthy to stand in the presence of God. Now, just bear with me here for a second. Because the reality is, here in the Old Testament, that what the psalmist is trying to do is say, God, look on your anointed one. Who's he referencing? Well, in this particular instance, he's referencing the king. The one that God has put in charge. The one that God has put in control. Look on your anointed one. He's the one that you've chosen, God. Look on him and look on us with favour. 
Look on us, Lord, and hear our prayer. Listen to me and look on favour on your anointed one. To ask God to bless and to strengthen. To ask God to have his hand upon everything that we do. But listen, as the psalmist here points to the earthly king that was in power, the way that the psalm is written makes us look a little bit higher. Does it not? The way that the psalm is written encourages us to lift up our gaze. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield, O God. Look with favour on your anointed one. It speaks of the king. It speaks of the king. It speaks of Jesus. We say to God, I know that I am not worthy to stand in the presence of God. I am a sinner. But I'm a sinner saved by grace. My sins have been washed away. Not because of anything that I could do, but because of everything that Christ has done for me. Amen? Amen. That his death, burial and resurrection has made a way for me and a way for you, as we put our faith and our trust in him, to come into the presence of God. And when God looks at me, and when God looks at you, if you've accepted Christ as saviour, what does he see? Does God see a sinner that shouldn't be in his presence? I hope not. We're in a mess. He sees Jesus. Amen? He sees Jesus. He sees the blood of the Lamb. He sees that I am with Jesus. And Jesus says, Matt's with me. And I touched on this last week. The reality is that God looks on you and I as children of God. And he sees that we're with Jesus. He sees Jesus. And Jesus on the cross bore our sin and shame upon himself. The full wrath of God was poured on the Lord Jesus Christ. So that I don't have to be punished for my sin. How crackers is that? Jesus said, I'm going to take all of that, all of the stuff that you're going to do wrong from the moment that you open your eyes. Till the moment that you close them. I have dealt with every single failure and flaw. So that I then can come into the presence of God. So that I can say, hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. That's bold, isn't it? The Bible says boldly we approach the throne. Boldly we come before God. Because we know that the work of the cross was enough. Jesus is enough. We know then that we can come boldly to God. We say, listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on your shield. Don't look at me, Lord. Look at Jesus. Look at what he has done. Look at the fact that death and, and sin have been defeated. Look at the fact that Jesus has won. And then the posture of our hearts sets the tone. The posture of knowing who we are, knowing whose we are and why we are, sets the tone then as the psalmist then begins to unlock the reality of the fixed, and not the transient. Listen, he says, better is one day in your courts, verse 10, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. And the question is, did we notice, as I've read that, did we notice the fixed realities and the fleeting moments? Did we notice them? Let me read it again. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Listen to the language. The language says better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Alpha and Omega, beginning and end. God. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. That's not fleeting. That's absolutely permanent. And a house, bricks and mortar. They're pretty good, aren't they? One that God built. I would say that's pretty good. Anybody a builder? We're not going to argue, are we? And then listen to what it says in the opposite, the fleeting, the transient, that says, then dwell in the tents of the wicked. Anybody been in a tent? They're all right, aren't they, for about 15 minutes? They are, though, aren't they? Between 9am and 9.30 at a push. And then after 9.30, it gets unbearably hot. And then when you get round to, I don't know, half past nine at night, it gets unbearably cold and damp and miserable. And you think, why have we done this? We pay good money to stay in this field. (laughs) Tents aren't permanent. They were never meant to be. They're not designed to be permanent. They're designed to be picked up, folded away, and put away, or sold on eBay, because you'll never do that again. (laughs) And that's the reality of a tent. But the house of my God will last forever, amen? His kingdom will last forever. God is the beginning and the end. There is no discussion. Where did God come from? There is no discussion. Have a look at the science. It points to it. There has to have been a creator. And the creator always has been. And there is no end. Because God is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end. He is everything. So he is permanent. He is a fixed reality. Kev encourages on Monday night as men of the church to look at the reality of the creator God that we have. In science, not in the word. And the science cannot get away from the figures. The reality is that it points to the fact that there has to have been a creator. Nothing good has ever come from an explosion. You notice that? Nothing. Yet all of a sudden there's an incredible world that we stand upon that's just in the perfect position away from the sun. I'm starting to preach. I'll go back to the word. (laughs) The reality is that as we look, as we search, and I encourage you to go and to look. Don't just take my word for it. Look. Search for yourself. Look outside the Bible. Find the realities that the Bible point to. And then look at the Word and run it alongside what you're reading and see that there is a Creator who loves you. There is a Creator that loves you. And I know, because you're just like me, that you don't deserve that. And you might sit there and think, hang on a minute, you might be one of those 0.001%. Who feels entitled. Listen, we've all been there in moments of our life. But listen, we deserve nothing. We chose our path. And it was death. And God said, look, I love you enough to give my best for you. The very worst of you, I'm going to give my best for you. And the reality then that as we start to unlock the passage, we start to see that there are fixed realities. 
And listen, when you look at a doorkeeper, that's not the most prestigious place in the house, is it? I mean, it's not. Listen, you're only just through the threshold. That's the reality. You open the door on an inward trajectory. You are just inside. Listen, by the skin of our teeth, we long, don't we, for well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what, that's the desire. But listen here, just to be a doorkeeper in the house of God that is permanent, that is fixed, that is immovable, that is solid, that is firm, that is rooted on God and in God. That is the place where we want to be, in the presence of God. Listen, having a low job, that'll do for me by earthly standards. Just a doorkeeper. Well, where are you a doorkeeper? Oh, in the house of God. It comes with a bit of cloud when you say it like that. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than spend 10,000 years in the midst of the enemy and the wicked. And listen, when we look at it, we think we don't find ourselves in moments in the reality of, of day-to-day where we can just perhaps separate these things. And they come really quietly at us when we seek out those things that aren't fixed and permanent. And the Bible's really clear about, uh, about the wicked and the fact that they will not prosper. In fact, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 13 says, Yet because the wicked do not fear God, it will not go well with them, and their days will not lengthen like a shadow. The reality is that the wicked will not prosper. That in reality, that it's coming to an end. But we can seek out those things. We can push ourselves to go and get the things and to search out the things that take the place of God. Because we think they're going to last. They're not going to last. There is only one permanent. There is only one fixed. And he is the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And that is who we should be, be pursuing. Better is one day in your courts, Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. Listen then, that means that as his children, as we put our faith and our trust in him, that we have this privilege to know that our sin has been dealt with because of what Jesus has done on the cross. And then we are able to say that he is our shield, verse 9. I'm washed and I'm covered in the blood of the Lamb. And being in God's presence, church, for a day is far better than a thousand elsewhere. His <laughs> desires, his plan for you and for me are fixed and they're permanent. He is an unchanging God, amen? In an ever-changing world, we worship an unchanging God. The fixed is being in the presence of God. And listen, if that means having a low job by our earthly standards, then I'm happy to be that doorkeeper. Aren't you? I am happy to be that doorkeeper. And we don't want to get wrapped up in the transient, the tense, the temporary, because it is absolutely flawed. The fixed realities and the temporaries, as we see here in the Word, are at absolute odds. There are stark difference. But church, we have to make sure that we don't chase the wrong dwelling. A temple is where we need to go, not a tent. Amen? A temple, not a tent. And that's not something you have to preach to people when they're on a field in tents. 
They're like, no, I know, brother. Do they have beauty? Clean running water? I'm there. We need to pursue, go after the right place, the right dwelling, a temple, not a tent. And in life, as I say, it's much more subtle than that. So we have to be on our guard. We have to make sure that we're awake, that we're full of the spirit, that we have the full armour of God on. Because the enemy, be of absolute clear mind here, the enemy loves to deceive. And it looks good. And the fruit looks so tasty. And it looks like it's going to satisfy me forever. And church, it lasts but a second. His love is unchanging. His kingdom is forever. He loves you with an unchanging, unfading, never spoiling, absolute perfect love. And we have the opportunity to step into the rest of today and into a new week with a clear mind that says, God, you're in control. I want you to be at the centre of everything that I do. Thank you for Jesus, my shield. Help me, Lord, today. Help me this week to live for you. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you once again for your word this morning, Father, for its encouragement. And we ask, Lord God, that you would help us to seek out in our day-to-day the fixed and the permanent. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. That, Father God, that we would know that and our heart's desire would be to spend time with you. Our heart's desire would be to put you first in everything that we do. Our heart's desire would be to set time aside for you, to put you in your rightful place as number one in our lives. And Lord, we just thank you that we've been able to just spend time in your word together. And we pray, Lord, that it will settle on our hearts and that your Holy Spirit might continue to shape us and guide us into what you want us to be. We ask all of these prayers in and through our Saviour's precious name, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.